video games get seen as more of an addiction because if you don't understand what you're seeing, it just looks like someone is staring at a screen for hours. Did you know that your video game choices can be an indicator of your mental health? Or that in relationships, partners and parents even often misunderstand and misinterpret gamers' habits as unhealthy. Welcome back to the Blur Girl podcast, folks. I'm Kara Mahorn, a.k.a. The Blur Girl. And on today's episode, I'm talking with Derek Horde, a.k.a. The Situational Therapist, about gaming and psychology. Now, just a heads up, this episode was supposed to drop back in May. But due to both a technical issue with the recording, as well as my own mental health and subsequent delayed podcast schedule, this discussion did not air. But I'm really happy to bring it to you now. But first, let's pay some bills. Journey into the world of Asunda with Otaku Noir's latest mystery box. They're collaborating with Stranger Comics to bring you exclusive art, apparel, comics, and collectibles. There are four different box designs, each featuring unique artwork from the talented Raheem Milton. This box will also include the 2024 Black Cosplayer Calendar. The Otaku Noir Mystery Box is the perfect gift for the upcoming holiday season. Orders close on November 27th. Go to otakunoir.com and use promo code THEBLURGIRL to get a discount on your order. My guest today, Derek Horde, is also known as the Situational Therapist. Now, Derek is a licensed therapist in Seattle, Washington, but he's also a gamer. I first heard about Derek over on TikTok when he was giving a really interesting explanation about game therapy and how it can be used to diagnose and often treat types of ADHD. I followed immediately and have been fascinated by his conversations ever since. Now, in this discussion, we talk about the difference between gaming addiction versus gaming escapism, which are often confused. I recorded this conversation way back in May of this year, so if some of what we discussed sounds a bit dated, that's why. Now, as a disclaimer, I'm going to encourage you to seek out your own therapist, as well as formulate your own questions and do your own research. Don't just take what we discuss here at face value, okay? Use it as a jumping off point to form your own hypothesis. Disclaimer over. Now up next, my conversation with Derek Hord, the situational therapist. Derek, I'm so excited that you're joining me today. I'm so happy to be here. This is going to be so much fun. I have been intrigued with all of your content because you regularly talk about mental health and social media and life. First, let's talk about your credentials a little bit so I can let the kids who don't yeah. know you know who you is. <laughs> Derek, what type of therapist are you? So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. What that means is we really kind of like shot ourselves in the foot with that name because when people hear it, they think, well, you only work with families or you only work with marriages. But a marriage and family therapist is a therapist that works from what we like to call a systemic perspective. That means we're not necessarily trying to figure out what's wrong with an individual. We're trying to understand how that individual's behavior makes sense within the family or the environment or whatever larger system they might be in. So one thing that we like to say is we don't diagnose people we diagnose systems. And so, yeah, marriage and family therapist, and that's kind of the work that I do. Yeah. Okay. And I know you as the situational therapist on TikTok. I think the first video I saw was you talking about gaming therapy or adult play therapy yeah. as a way of 
working through some of the elements and the harder aspects of ADHD. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, so I remember that video. I was actually sitting on my couch and like, honestly, sometimes I make videos where I'm like really thinking about them, but this, it just kind of popped up in my mind. And so the main point of that video was like, you can use video games to see the type of behaviors that people might have. So if you have ADHD or you have behaviors that can be described as ADHD is the way that I like to look at it, then that's going to show up in the way that you play video games. So if you have a lot of checklists in your house that you just keep making and you don't finish, then you might have a quest log in Skyrim that is unfinished. If you have issues managing money, you might find yourself running out of arrows when you're playing video games. So it was about like how you can see that you can change your behaviors in the game and changing those behaviors in the game will have a one-to-one correlation with you kind of changing those behaviors in your regular life. So not so much diagnosing people, but just like you can, it's another way to take an objective look at your behavior that doesn't, because when we look at our behavior, sometimes it can be real painful to take a look at some, but when you, when you have a video game, you can take an objective look at the way that you behave and the way that you do things. And that kind of, I wanted to kind of open up that conversation. So people had another way to see their behaviors outside of like, you know, pathology. I'm a horrible person. I don't mm-hmm. do this. I don't do that. You can look at them kind of objectively and then kind of change them in a way that's more fun. Well, I was surprised when people say like gaming is for kids. I'm like, okay, first of all, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And right. second, you've clearly never been to a gaming convention because right. the grown folks, but a bunch of adults. <laughs> yes. you know, don't get me started about toy fair practice balance. And um, sometimes I still have problems in 3d movies, um, not sitting there, but standing up after them because my brain is still going in a different right. direction. Right. But it's interesting because I've always seen gaming as like a tool and, um, also sort of like an escape, Mm -hmm. but I think there's some strange disconnect in social media between gaming as escapism and gaming addiction. I think it's always the bad that gets augmented, right? Mm -hmm. There are people who have a problematic relationship with gaming. Um, They exist, just like there are people that have a problematic relationship with trading cards, have a problematic relationship with reality television. And if you really want to step on some toes, have a problematic relationship with social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and all of these things. And I think that video games get seen as more of an addiction because if you don't understand what you're seeing on the screen, it just looks like someone is staring at a screen for hours, but they don't know the complex calculations we're making in our brain, the decisions that we're making, the things that we are contemplating in that moment. And so a lot of people misunderstand like escapism and having a hobby. They misunderstand it as addiction. Now, if someone isn't getting their bills paid, they're not doing the things they need to do, you know, around the home with things, if it's causing a problem for them, then that's one thing. But I think gaming addiction comes up a lot when we're talking about people in relationships with partners who don't understand gaming or they don't have a hobby of of their own. So the only thing they can do is classify that behavior. They kind of sort of become jealous of their partner spending time on the screen or they become, you know, jealous of the commitment that their partner will put into gaming. So Yeah, there's a big disconnect on social media because video games have been getting demonized since their inception, you know, blamed for violence, blamed for a lot of things that it just, there's just no basis. In fact, the research has shown clearly time and time again, it's just not based in facts. It's just a lot of stigma. And I hope that my platform and other people's platform can really kind of help shed some light on that so that people can realize that like you're missing out on an amazing form of entertainment. You're missing out on an amazing form of like, there's just, I've I've heard this um, somewhere else 
else. I've lived a thousand lives. I've been a thousand different people. You know, I've, 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 man, I've told a thousand different stories. And I just, it really saddens me that some people will never be able to see past, you know, their first initial impression. Yeah. And, and I also think I've had similar conversations with people about like manga, like people think in anime, just thinking there's only one kind yeah like for instance everybody talks about you know dragon dragon ball, dragon ball and one piece and things <laughs> yeah. like that but that's shown in because that was and it's it was not really by design but when things were introduced to western market it was really shown in that came in first but it didn't mean all these other types of anime like seinen and everything like that didn't exist it's just they weren't imported like right. those of us who were diehard fans knew where to find the stuff but there's all kinds of uh anime all kinds of manga yeah. all kinds of games yes and uh like everything and it's funny because a lot of people role-playing games are very popular i'm not a huge role-playing game fan because i've always i've had a job since i was a kid so i've mm -hmm. always been busy so if i had time to play a game I had no patience to sit there and learn <laughs> Story and find and, and ask me. Yes. And like, and all of the questions, like I need you to stop asking me so many questions. I remember <laughs> it was, um, I think it was Assassin's Creed. And that was my first like game where I was like, wait, why is it asking me if they, should I, should I kill them? Yes. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to kill things. What are you, why are you asking me these questions? I'm a Tekken street fighter. Like something I where you sit, can jump in, jump That's out. what I'm saying. I want to fight in, punch some people and go home. Like that's what yeah. I want to do. But, but there's all kinds of games. Mm -hmm. My boyfriend's a big gamer. He likes Warframe. It's a whole oh, other yeah. thing. Oof. And that's I was a second in, job. That's what Warframe I'm saying. And it's, and it's always job. on. I was not aware. I have learned that he can't always pause a game. If he's right. doing a run and that run only happens once a day, I'm going to have to wait because right. otherwise he will have lost basically his chance to play that 20 minutes right. for that day. Yeah. And so I think that's another thing. The whole thing, just pause it. It's like they can't always yeah. do that. Yeah. There are some um, games that go on even when you turn the game off, you know, like right. even after you turn the game off, the persistent worlds that continue. And yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be on us as gamers sometimes too to communicate that to our partners. Like, look, you know, this I'm, I'm about to play a game where there is no pause. Like, and then some games when you press pause, like Dark Souls, the game continues even matter, when right? you're in the pause screen. <laughs> so yeah, I think, you know, we're going to have to do a better job of kind of educating our non-gaming partners about that so that they can know. Yeah. Like someone who might have trouble communicating they feel the only friends that they have are through their gaming partners in a game and that is taken from them what does that do to like have you seen that with children I, 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 I ask parents all the time whenever I am I have the privilege of working with parents and they have a child that they feel like has problematic gaming or for discipline I say you know look you can you can take away a lot of things but like when you take away your child's game they're not necessarily like just playing games sometimes they're talking to friends and like for me for example I went through a divorce and I had just moved to Seattle Washington I knew no one here if it 
wasn't for my gaming community, if it wasn't for those late nights playing Injustice 2, and like, yeah, sometimes we're fighting, but sometimes, man, the game was secondary to the conversations that we were having. And like, for example, with men, I know they don't like to talk about this, but like I tease them sometimes like, you know, you're basically just on the phone with your boys, right? You know, y'all are just sitting on the phone in the bed talking to each other. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. So when that gets taken away from someone, you're literally taking away their community. Like whenever Katrina happened, I lived in Louisiana. I had one of my gaming friends like message me like, oh my God, are you okay? I was so worried about you. I thought that you didn't make it. And I didn't realize it until that point. I was like, oh my goodness, we really are friends. Like we we may have never met each other in real life or anything like that. But that doesn't mean that the, I mean, hundreds of hours we've spent having conversations with each other. I've told you things about myself that I haven't talked to other people about. So I, I really feel like when, especially when that gets taken away from, from a child, like it really can have a devastating long-term effect. It's like grief. It's like someone, someone passing away to an extent. So that's the last thing I'd like, look, parents, you can, you can take away the controller, you know, you could take away or make it to where their Xbox, the, the parental controls on there are really good on Xbox and PlayStation and PC. If you kind of familiarize yourself with them, you can take that away, but don't, don't take away their ability to have conversation with their friends. And for some reason, the stigma still persists that online friends are not real friends. And I don't understand why that is. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. The community, we should all know after coronavirus, so we spend a significant amount of time online in Zoom meetings and things like that. The level of connection is just as, if not greater, online because you have access to more ways to express yourself, you know? So, so yeah, I really think it's an important thing that you bring up that I would do something else first before that, because those those connections that they make are real, um, just as real as a connection that you would make with someone, you know, down the street or at the arcade or in any other any other place where you might meet someone. And listen, sometimes connections with people outside of your family are more meaningful to you than with your family, because mm -hmm. not all of us had amazing family life. Right. So sometimes uh, it's really funny. I very recently found out that the the term blood is thicker than water. We've been doing, we've been saying it wrong. Hmm. I found out that it's actually uh, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, which basically means the opposite. Oh, it's the yeah. exact opposite. <laughs> so, which is like, that's the wait exact a opposite. No, that's, <laughs> that's the, a complete 180. A, wow. We've been saying the whole wow. thing wrong. So wow. Like, is that nuts? So, like, the whole theme is actually about no, you're going to wow. find people out in the world that you are going to connect to closer than your own mother. I'm like, well, that is absolutely not what was in the brochure. So, wow. <laughs> isn't that crazy? Wow. <laughs> and, <laughs> So I just think that the um, these connections that we're making, like you said, in in this new world, whether or not it's VR, AR um, or, you know, just literally in the chat room of of a, of a game, I think a lot of them are really meaningful and people are misunderstanding them. Yeah. Um, so how much of it is really trying to help the child or the person who is sort of trying to escape through the game and how much of it is really talking to the people around them yeah. about understanding them. Like I'm just thinking of relationships. Is it so much that the gamer is ignoring their girlfriend or is it that the girlfriend feels neglected? Like, which right. 
I would I would say I would lean towards the second one. And so one thing that I, I kind of made a I made a video about this earlier. Um, one thing that I brought up was there's this relationship dynamic that couples can get into. Um, and it's called pursuing and withdrawing. And it's where you have a pursuing partner where if there's conflict in the relationship, they are going to pursue towards solving that issue. So they they want to process the conflict immediately and in the moment, and they want to process it with the partner present. And then we have the withdrawer who needs to take time to themselves. They like to process things privately. They can't process the situation and be present with their partner at the same time. And more often than not, gamers are probably going to fall into that withdrawing category more than anything. They're okay, safe so, places. So you were in my kitchen this morning. This is a problem. How do I solve it? Let's okay. do it right now. Okay. And well, he's, let me, okay. he's like, I need to. Yeah. I need to go build this tenno. Yeah. And yeah. I'm gonna think this through yeah. right after this campaign. And I, yeah. but it took me a minute to go, that's his thinking. Right, place. right. <laughs> I think that speaks though to just how like ubiquitous this situation. Everybody, like it's a nap, it's not a bad dynamic unless it becomes rigid. And so what tends to happen is we have a, let's say there's a relationship issue, something comes up, and one partner is a gamer and the other one isn't. That person that is the non-gamer is going to want to pursue towards that issue. But the more they pursue towards that issue, the more it pushes their partner away. And the more it pushes their partner away, the more that. And so that's a living, breathing dynamic. Like it's it's continuous. And so if you don't know how to like one, I, I usually ask the pursuing partner, can, is there any way that you could just give your partner a little bit of space and just hang on just a moment and let them recoup? They will come back to you. But what often what happens is if they're not aware of that dynamic, they have to have something to blame. So if they don't know what that dynamic is, the only other thing to blame is the video game. Well, it's the video game that's taking them away. The video games are, are addicting. And then sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it's people where there's like a fundamental kind of mismatch. Like you're looking for someone who doesn't. I saw there was a TikTok that I responded to recently where someone was saying I wouldn't date someone who was a gamer. Okay, I saw that. That, makes, that was that, funny. It was but, funny. The other reason why that was funny was because she was in the room with gamers. Yeah. I was like, this yeah. podcast is not going to end very well. And then, because- and then, and then said that um, the last video game she had played was Frogger, which bless her heart. And I'm yeah. from the South. You know what that means. Bless yes. your heart, you know, but come on. There have been so, such amazing. And I know that there's an experience out there that would be wonderful for her. But I do think that when, we, when we're talking about like people feeling like people game too much, sometimes people can feel neglected. And then we go back to the conversation we were having earlier. It's not just the partner playing the game. It's the conversation that that partner is overhearing them having while playing the game. And if they have communication issues in their relationship already, it might be really uncomfortable to watch their partner fully express themselves without any reservation to their friends online, but not be able to do the same thing with them. And so Again, it just comes back to knowing your communication styles, knowing how you talk with each other and being respectful of the ways in which both of you like to process, you know, process conflict. I completely agree. And you know what? I'm going to pause here so we can take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about some pretty popular viral videos that have gone around about partners not being so understanding about (laughs) gaming. So we'll be right back. Listen, if you have bad credit or no credit, I'm telling you, the self credit app is a way to build your credit history. 
Now, after the dumpster fire that was 2020, as well as some mounting health insurance bills that I had from years ago, my credit was pretty much tanked. And I was able to raise it 35 points since the beginning of this year. I'm not exaggerating. 35 points and it's so simple to use. You simply open a self-credit builder account and deposit a small amount of money in it. And then for as little as five bucks a month, you pay the money back automatically through the app. Then self reports your credit to all three credit agencies. That's it. It's that simple. Like I don't even think about it and my credit has jumped 35 points. Low credit, no credit, it doesn't matter. Use the Self app today and build your credit and savings and get back on track. It's available on iOS as well as Android. I have a link in my show notes for anyone who's interested. Check it out. Welcome back to the Blur Girl podcast, everybody. I'm Karen Mahorn, aka the Blur Girl, and my guest today is uh, Dr. Derek Horde. <laughs> and we are talking about. Uh, gaming, relationships, family, and as a licensed therapist, uh, Derek has a lot of experience in this. So there is a video, and there's, there's, there's so much to unwrap here, but there's a video that is making the rounds, and it's 2K Gamer, Pretty, pretty Boy Fredo, and an incident that happened with his girlfriend, Jasmine, who basically as a prank, a YouTube prank, um, deleted three of his 90 overall players and I don't play 2k I have no idea what that means but I do know it's important and I do know it's worth very very hard to get to the level of you know getting your players to 90 and for those of you who don't know and didn't see the video after she erased it there was this video that she took of him realizing what she'd done and he lost it like understandably so like lost it threw things around the room nothing Mm -hmm. at her but didn't put his hands on her, nothing like that. We're not condoning that, but it was a pretty emotional Mm -hmm. situation. And I think a lot of people reacted because they're like, yo, he makes money as a gamer. Y'all wouldn't have this house if he wasn't gaming. And then the other side of it was, if this is that important, why would she mess with something like that? So what do you say about the spectacle of this situation and how people are handling it or not handling it very well. So the first thing that comes up for me is just the relationship dynamic that you would have to be in for something like that to happen. So we have symmetrical interactions and relationships and we have complementary interactions. So a complementary interaction is kind of like an interaction between like a student and their teacher. Like there's somebody who's in this role and there's someone who's in this role. Um, A symmetrical interaction is when we have two people who are basically kind of equal and it kind of like is tit for tat if those two people are at war. Symmetrical isn't better than complementary. Complementary isn't better than symmetrical. The problem is when those people are at war. And so when I saw that happen in my therapy, his hat was on. I was like, no, this is just another round in the game that is their relationship. Like he did something to her or she did something. It's not about who started it. It's Mm -hmm. about what maintains that dynamic. And so whenever I first saw that video, my response, the first thing that came up for me was like his response is completely and totally valid. It makes a lot of sense. As long as he did not put his hands on her, I can understand that pain. And if you don't play video games and you don't understand the work that went into it, it would be like working a 40 hour work week and then having someone delete your time card. And then you don't get that money for the time that you And you don't get paid. Right. And you don't get paid. And it's just, it's such a specific 
targeted, like calculated, hurtful thing to do. Like you would have to either, you know, exactly what it is that you're doing, or you don't have any clue at all. But either way it goes, like what she took from him is something that like, sure, he can play the game and get it back. But it wasn't just deleting those saves. It was the experience associated with it. It was the hard work that he had to do to get those play, even if they're just digital items. It was the hard work that he had to do to amass those digital items. And so the the the, the camps that I saw kind of came down to don't act that way over a video game. There's no reason for him to act that way. And we need, he needs to break up with that horrible person. And so for me, I really, truly felt like one, they need therapy, but two, Ooh, so much Two, it's just, it's really difficult to explain to individuals who don't know what it's like to play video games, why that happened. And for, again, from my therapist hat, like if that video had gone to the wrong therapist, someone might try to say he's bipolar, which is completely and totally wrong. He's just upset at what happened. But someone can say that his reaction to what happened to him was not proportional, but it was absolutely proportional if you understand what understood what went into it. So um, the two camps that came out of it, I really kind of sided on the side of, again, I know that there's a larger relationship pattern at play there, um, but for the most part, I really felt like it, it was just indicative of kind of the world that we live in and the way that people see video games in general. I'm in a third camp, which is the more I did research, the more I was a little disturbed. And that is that it was staged. Yeah, I heard and that too. Here's the thing. I, her side was definitely staged because she said, this is a prank, I'm doing this. I don't think his reaction was staged. Um, but... Subsequent things that came out after that, uh, she got threats and things like that. And then he was coming, did videos like stay, you know, uh, we're not together, but I'm not having you go after my my child's mother, you know. But then cut to years later and uh, four months ago, they're back together and they just bought a house together and he doesn't play the game as much. And there definitely feels like there was some therapy in there, which is great. But I also think there's something to be said for so many of people living their lives out so much online. Mm -hmm. I don't think vlogs are as big as they were back in 2018 because TikTok is more shorter, like Mm -hmm. those longer hour long vlogs, 30 minute vlogs are really for YouTube. Right. But there's something to be said for the hate farming and the hate farming that ends up putting black women, you know, in the crosshairs. Right. Absolutely. Um, So I heard that it was staged and, you know, even if it was the amount of stories that came out as a result of having that conversation, I think were really important. And yeah, when you speak about how easy it is, you know, I have a colleague online who made a TikTok about how she wasn't going to take Black men into her practice specifically because of some experiences that she has had. And that generated a hate train that I mean, honestly, it was just disgusting to see. And I think with the 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 availability that people have on others, I've been canceled on the internet before for a variety of reasons. And I think people really forget that there are other people on the side of that screen. Like I am a real living being, human being. I as as strong as I try to be, that doesn't mean my feelings don't get hurt. Yeah. And it's it's especially dangerous for Black women on the internet, um, especially with the way that you have like groups like the Manosphere and things like that that can come together 
together and really do a, a, a number of damage to people. So I think it is important. Um, Cyberbullying is, is another big thing. I was trying to run a live the other day and I got bullied by some people. And I mean, it's relentless the way that people can be because, you know, of the safety that they feel, the relative safety that they feel like they have being online and behind a computer screen. So I do think it's something important that we do need to discuss because it's okay to be upset. And again, I was angry at the behavior, not angry at the person. I was really upset at what had happened, but I'm not upset at that person. That person has value and worth just because they exist. They can't do anything to get more of it, can't do anything to lose it. It is what it is. And and no behavior is an excuse for hopping on a train or threatening someone physically. I think we really need to kind of have more conversations about how you discuss the thing that someone did, not necessarily that person themselves. Because at the end of the day, I think this is something that not a lot of people like to admit. But if you were in that person's same situation, you had their same life experiences and you had their same, you know, life path to get there, you probably would have done the exact same thing as much as you like to say that you wouldn't. And that's something I think we forget sometimes, but it's the, the, the name for it is scapegoating. Once we find somebody who is worthy of our vitriol or we feel is worthy of our, our hatred or our frustration, we have a tendency to really pile it on that person and not feel bad about doing it. And I think that's, you know, that's something that we got to discuss a little bit further. In the world that we are living in now, post 2020, you know, uh, and there was so much trauma that year and there's so much trauma that we're still dealing with moving away from gaming just a little bit, how, you know, there, there are people that are really hurting. There are people that are still dealing with long COVID. I think for me, what's really hard for me is that the people that we lost, they're just like gone, like poof. Like, it's not like uh, we were able to like properly grieve or have a funeral or things like that. And so I think there are some people that are really struggling that haven't the past three years have been trying to get back to who they were, but they are not quite there yet. Where should people start when they really kind of don't know what they should do? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, I'm, I'm always, I'm in therapy myself. I have a wonderful therapist and I'm so thankful for her. I think the first place is what COVID did for me, to be honest with you, during that time of isolation was it gave me time to just sit with my own thoughts and just think about the things that I normally didn't want to take time to think about. And so whenever people ask me, like, where do I start? How do I know where to get started on this healing journey? One thing I suggest is turn off the lights or, or the TV, turn off your phone, turn off everything, find a safe place, a place where you feel safe and just sit and breathe with a, with a notebook next to you and see what comes up. And the reason that I like this is because we get to see if you're even in a place safe enough to do that. Do you have the environment that allows you to sit and just take a moment to yourself? Do, do you even have that luxury? And then we start there because I believe the most important thing is having safety, a sense of belonging and a safe place to just relate with yourself. And so a lot of us, we think we have all these problems and some of us do have problems, things that things that we need to work on. But the first step for me was just sitting in the silence with all the distractions off and all those thoughts 
that we try to escape from, that we try to run from, that we try to push down, the things that we don't want to think about, write them all out. See, you don't have to be afraid. So many of us are just afraid of our thoughts. Like a lot of people with anxiety, you're just afraid of the thoughts that you're thinking. And if you could just see them as just thoughts, see them as just communication from your brain. I say this all the time. Your heart beats blood. You know, your kidneys filter that blood. Your stomach makes stomach acid. Your brain thinks thoughts. That's what it does. Those thoughts are not you. They're just a product of an organ in your mind, designed, created, evolved, however you want to look at it, to help you exist within this world. And it would really behoove you to make friends with that organ instead of being afraid of it all the time. And so that would be the first place that I would tell people. And then after that, just read through, see what comes up for you. There are a lot of resources that you can find online. There's excellent self-help things online that you can look through. And if you're having an issue that's causing you a problem at work or at home or at school or in your interpersonal relationships, that's when I would say, seek out a therapist, seek out some sort of support. And sometimes therapy isn't the only, like just one-on-one therapy isn't the only thing that you can look for. Group therapy is just as, if I would argue, more effective than individual individual therapy, because you get to sit around people who have a similar experience and you automatically know that you're not alone. So I think starting with those two things would be really, really helpful. And then after that, after you figure out what it is that you want to work on, figure out how it is that you're going to work on it, then I would say the last thing is just patience. It's a process. There is no destination. There is no, I am healed now. I have made it and I'll never need to work on myself ever again. It is a constant journey of constant improvement. You will get to a place where you won't improve. It's kind of like when you're playing a video game and once you get to a higher level, you might level up, your stats might get a little bit higher, but the increase from level one to 20 is not going to be the same increase from 100 to 110. You know, there's not very many more levels to go after that. So um, yeah, that's that would be kind of how I would suggest it to people. Start with that notebook and the silence first and just write it out and see what comes up and then go from there. So you have a group therapy practice, don't you? So I do do group therapy, therapy. Mm -hmm. So I have individual therapy is kind of where I do most of my stuff in my private practice work. But I do have an online web community called The Situational Practice. And it's a group of people who have vibed with the content that I have created over the past three years. So I've talked a lot about growing up with, you know, mother trauma, growing up with religious trauma. A lot of people, you know, grew up and were victims of like corporal punishment. And so all of these people have kind of brought them together under the umbrella of, you know, gaming and being geeky and, you know, enjoying anime, enjoying things that, you know, are are counter to the culture. And just together by osmosis, just being next to each other, um, we have really developed a community. We have memes and it's just been really wonderful, especially when people realize things that they have in common with each other that haven't necessarily been made explicit. For example, a lot of us really like matcha. I don't, but the people in my community do and they always keep bugging me to try it. And I haven't tried it yet. Speaking of which, I do want to say hello to the situational practice. I appreciate you all very much. But yeah, a lot of people like matcha. It's not my favorite thing. Um, So yeah, we get together. We have movie nights on Fridays. We play interactive games together. On Mondays, I do body doubling with the community. So I'll start a live stream directly with them and we'll work on things that we're working on. But being in that group setting, you know, people who have felt othered, um, who haven't felt parts of the community that they have grown up in, it's really been a wonderful wonderful place for us to kind of grow and learn with each other. So much of psychology is told through 
a white male hetero perspective mm-hmm. that the moment they start saying all of the things that are wrong, and this is a disease. Okay. You call it masking. I call it code switching. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you go through pr- prolonged periods of, you know, masking and not being your true self, you know, you might be suffering from PTSD. And I'm like, so all black people, like, mm-hmm. what? I don't- you're correct. The language that is used to describe, like, we have to describe the phenomenon, right? Like, there is something out there. There are behaviors that can be described as ADHD. There are behaviors that can be described as autistic. There are behaviors that can be described as a lot of things. But what you just hit on is that a lot of those behaviors are described through the lens of whiteness, what is and isn't okay, what is and isn't acceptable. One of the things that I broke the internet talking about one time was drapetomania. And drapetomania was a mental illness that Jonathan Cartwright came up with to describe the behavior of slaves and why they wanted to run away from yep. slavery. Away it was slaves. called, and, and the way that they treated it was through, you know, using whipping. And so like, People get upset when I say this, but the same way that Drapetomania was created, which was by observing people's behaviors and categorizing them, is the same way that every single diagnosis in the DSM that we use to diagnose people was came up with. And so the question is, whose lens, whose eyes are you seeing these behaviors through? And once you start seeing these behaviors through the lens of pathology or through the lens of bad behavior, then you start to notice it everywhere, which is why I love being a a family therapist, a systemic therapist so much, because I'm looking at the environment, the world that we live in has issues. Growing up in a capitalistic society where you have to go, 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 that will absolutely make you have behaviors that look like anxiety, behaviors that look like depression. If you're constantly being overworked, you got deadlines to do, you might start taking some caffeine to help you get through it. But as you're doing that, you might not eat well, you might not sleep well, and then all of a sudden, you have what looks like a manic break because your body is just trying to shut down because you're just doing too much. So I agree with you completely. This isn't something that you can say out loud without people getting upset at you. But I mean, when you when you really take a step back, all behavior is purposeful if you understand the context. And in the context that we are in, in this society and the way that things work, I would expect people to act exactly the way that they do. I Really, really thank you for coming and hanging out with me. Tell everybody where they can find you. So if you want to find me on TikTok, it's at The Situational Therapist. If you are looking to try to connect with me or if you want to do some consulting with me, you can go to thesituationaltherapist.com. And if you are interested in joining my community, you can go to thesituationalpractice.com. Those are the three places where I can be found. Oh, I could talk to you forever. You could. With cheesecake, but you know, I'm going to have to, if we ever meet, I'm going to have to get you some Oreo ma- cheesecake. <laughs> no, matcha? Matcha yes. cheesecake? No. no, 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 not matcha cheesecake. You can have Oreo cheesecake, okay. but I'm going to get you some sweet matcha. I think the problem is you haven't had okay. any. Because it tastes like dirt to me. It tastes, it tastes like, like grass. I love having thought-provoking conversations. I really do. I know this is like not my normal content. So let me know in the comments and on social, like what you think of more discussions about health on this channel. Now, if you or someone you know are dealing with a mental health crisis, please seek professional help. Do not just rely on the internet or podcasts 
Don't self-diagnose, okay? Seek help. Two great resources that I found are jedfoundation.org. That's J-E-D, jedfoundation.org. Also, Therapy for Black Girls. Therapyforblackgirls.com is an amazing resource. They also have an incredible podcast. Please check that out too. And please check out Derek and follow the Situational Therapist on TikTok and Instagram. And thank you again to this episode's sponsor, Otaku Noir. They are a Black-owned comic book and collectible subscription box service, and they have some incredible goodies in their latest box. Don't forget to use the code TheBlurredGirl at checkout. Also, please check out the Self app. I'm serious when I tell you I've used them and they've helped raise my credit score for real. Please subscribe to the Blur Girl podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a good rating, whether or not that's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're at. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time.